Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Nothing, nothing in all creation can stop the Lord our God. And if you're feeling today like, man, I don't feel like he's fighting my battles. He is. You may be seated. He is. I would, I would, I would say the question is, where are we not bowing to him? Because he's already fighting them, whether we realize it or not. Father, I pray right now. You are here. You are here to meet with us, to transform us, Lord, to remind us that you love us, that you are for us, that you are not against us, that you are with us. Lord, you're here to bind up the brokenhearted. You're here to to be a father to the fatherless. You're here to be a comfort to the widow. You're here. Holy Spirit, I ask you, Lord, that you will speak through me today. I need you. Anoint me one more time to deliver your word to your people. And Holy Spirit, I ask that we are transformed by your word. That we walk out of here different than how we walked in. That we walk out of here doing the very thing that that song says. We walk out of here bowing before you in humility, laying everything at your feet. Holding nothing back. I thank you, Jesus, for meeting with us. I thank you that even now you're breaking down walls. Even now you're, you're working on hearts. Even now you've gotten people's attention. So Lord, I pray that your word will do its work and let me not get in the way of it. Glorify your name in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Good morning. My name is Ryan. Uh, my wife and I were the lead pastors here at C1, and uh, if you saw our post earlier this week, and uh, Amy said that we're launching into a series uh, called Jonah, and I would say she's a liar. We're not. No, I'm joking. That was a joke. No, uh, the Lord just really pulled me in a different direction this week. We'll get into the belly of the well next week, um, but... This week, I really feel like the Lord's given me a word, and I got to tell you, this is a word for some people in here. This is a word for you, and the Lord just, as we worshiped, he confirmed it. The enemy has been fighting me, fighting me not to deliver it. He's put so much doubt in my mind about this word, and let me tell you, I I feel like God is going to speak to some hearts today, and we're going to be looking out of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and um, I was praying earlier this week, thinking about Jonah, and um, I was part part of my part of my meditation and time with God. I I read the Word, I listen to the Word, I pray, I walk and pray, and and I also listen to messages of people, other pastors preaching. I listen to a myriad of different people preaching. And I was listening to a message, and I honestly don't remember what I was doing. I don't remember whether I was in here or at home or on my bike. I don't remember any of that. What I do remember is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. It jumped out at me and kicked me in the face. Have you ever had Scripture do that? Like, grab you so hard? You're like, wow. And I knew that this is what God wanted us to look at. And what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 
11, verse 4, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And then I'm, I'm going to add 5 and 6. But just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. And what hit me really hard in these verses is the farmer who does, the farmer who waits for perfect weather never plants. And it made my mind race to the New Testament. Because I was thinking about all these scriptures, and I'm just going to pull a couple out for us to look at. But the Lord doesn't mix words when, he, when, when the Holy Spirit inspired authors to write the scripture. He did not mix up his words, okay? And so the word here for perfect, I want, I want us to understand it. Perfect means air, gas, breathing heavily, spirit, Troubled, especially angry, bitter or discontented, crushed, vain, empty. The Hebrew word that Solomon used for perfect in that verse, I would have put the Hebrew word up there, but I can't get enough mucus in my throat to make it sound right. And also, I couldn't pronounce it. So let's just be real. But think about this. We, we all have this idea of perfect, and sometimes we have this idea that God wants us to be perfect. And we also have this idea that, oh, things happen at the perfect timing. Right? I can't be the only one has, that has put unnecessary expectations on myself that God has never pushed, put on me. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Jesus was perfect. For you, And guess what? It crushed him. He got crucified because he was the only one that was perfect. He was the only one that could bear our sin. His perfection led to his death. Grant you that was his pur purpose. But what I'm getting at is we so often do that. And then we wait for perfect timing. This farmer is waiting for the perfect time to plant. And Solomon says the farmer who waits for perfect weather never plants. And if he's constantly watching the clouds, he never harvests. Because we want things to be perfect. We want things to be perfect in our family. We want things to be perfect in our walk with God. We want things to be perfect. And if you're holding yourself to a standard of perfection, you are going to be thoroughly disappointed. You're going to be, you're going to be torn up inside and you're going to always feel inadequate in your walk with God. But then you look throughout the, the New Testament, and God uses a different word when it comes to timing. And um, the first scripture that came to my mind was Romans 5, 6. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the, say it, right time and died for us. Christ came at just the right time. Not the perfect time, the right time. And there's a vast difference between the perfect time and the right time. And the word here means season. So the word here in Greek that Paul used for right was season. And then Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Right time, the word here, the right here is a different Greek word, means fullness, full, complement. Well, that sounds more like the, the character of God, right? God, God does things in season. He, he, he does things with fullness. He, he doesn't leave you empty. He doesn't leave you high and dry. He complements. He comes along. And then 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 2. For God says at just the 
I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the is now, today is the day of salvation. I think there are some people in here today that you're not here by chance. That today is the right time. This is a message, is, is the right time. God moving in your life, it's the right time. But the word here for right means just, moral, fair, justified. And then 1 Timothy 2.6. Grant you, all these verses are kind of saying the same thing, but every one of them has a different definition of right because of the different Greek word. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This message, this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And the word here, right, means one's own, belonging to one. Like, when you accept Christ, you belong to him. You're his. It's personal. You're his own people. It's right. And today, I I want to... I want us to shift our perspective. And I pray at least it starts the journey. Because some of us have baggage from church, from growing up in church, or a perception of God that he, that, that, that things need to be perfect. It has to be the perfect time. And, and, and that's not how God works. You won't find that in the New Testament. He works at the right time. The right time is different than the perfect time. Perfection will always lead to discontentment, will always lead to being crushed, will always lead to bitterness, because you can't live up to it because you're not perfect. Only Jesus could. And so, I I just, I want us to get this. There is no perfect time, but there is a right time. There is no perfect time, but there is a right time. Solomon, he comes in in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and Solomon is, by all accounts, the wisest man who's ever lived. I would say apart from Jesus being the outlier, Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, 100% led by the Holy Spirit. Solomon, though, In his wisdom, he writes this. The farmer who waits for perfect weather never plants. And the farmer who's always watching the clouds never harvest. And what he's getting at is, if you're waiting for perfect, it won't happen. But there is a right time to do something. And I was just thinking about my life And how often we can look back, because you know how in life in general, we can't see what's in front of us. We can see this moment. We live like, you know, it's we're operating in this moment, and then we can see our past, right? But we don't know what tomorrow holds. We might know that in 20 minutes, I'm going to go to Poncho's and gorge myself on a burrito. And um, hallelujah, everyone's like, you had to bring up lunch. It's only 1030. Now my mouth is watering, and you're welcome. No, no, I need concentration. Back up here. Larry, stop thinking about that burrito. <laughs> but I was thinking about how, like, we, we, we so often be like, oh, man, God, that would have been the perfect time for you to show up. You know, don't we do that, though? Like, oh, man, God, if you, this would have been perfect if you would have done this right here. And let me tell you, if God hasn't done it, or he didn't do it, it wasn't right. I don't care what you think perfect is. If God didn't do something in your life at a certain point, it wasn't right. It wasn't the right time for it. So what I'm getting at is you have not missed God because the timing was not right. And God did not miss you Because the timing was not right. God is still working in your life. 
God is still hearing your prayers. God is still answering your prayers. And it will manifest itself at the right time. But we have this idea of perfect in our head so often. And the thing is, when we wait on perfect, it never happens. There's a vast difference between waiting on the right time, because when we wait on the right time, who are we really waiting on? God. But if we wait on perfect time, we're waiting on ourselves. We're waiting on things to line up. We're waiting, oh, oh man, I, I had a conversation not too long ago. He's like, well, when, when, when um, it was no one here, there's actually a gentleman in Arkansas, but he's like, well, when, when this goes down and um, he's talking about uh, like the stimulus check coming in, he's like, I, I plan on start giving to, to God. Like his, his, his circumstances for the perfect timing was something happening. It sounds like, if you're waiting for perfect weather to plant, no, I, I told him, I said, actually, you're not going to do that. He's like, what do you mean? I said, if you're not giving right now in obedience to Scripture, then you're not going to start when you think the conditions are perfect. And I'm not talking about giving. I'm just giving you an example of a conversation I just had because perfect never comes. It will never come. But I told him, I said, but the right time, the right time is right now to start giving, to start obeying, to start doing. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts, just a couple thoughts. There is no perfect time, but there is a right time. And um, God hasn't missed you. God only operates in, in the right time. God, God is moving in your situation right now in the right time. He's moving in your finances. He's moving in your family at the right time. If, if God planted a dream in your heart and it hasn't come to fruition it wasn't the right time yet you haven't missed it don't beat yourself up quit condemning yourself You're like well I feel like the Lord called me to do this but I just haven't done it yet I've been praying about it well if you've given it to God and you're waiting on him then the right time hasn't come just keep trusting him keep trusting him keep waiting so the, the, the first perspective, though, I, I want you to understand with, with, with the right time, though, is the right time starts right now. The right time starts right now. That, that word starts is very important. If you're waiting, it will never come. Decide, decide in your heart now what the what right is, okay? I, I once heard a pastor say this, and, and I've tried to live this out the best I can in my life, but basically come up with a game plan for when temptation hits in your life. What will you do? The right, like determine to do the right thing, determine that right now is the right time to do the right thing before the situation happens. So, man, I know I know how the enemy operates. I know that he, I know how he tempts me. He, he uses the same playbook. He always has no temptation. Um, you, there's no temptation that you face that's not common to man. So let me, let me tell you, if you're going through it, you and every other person on the earth is going through it when it comes to temptation. And so what I've decided is this is my game plan. Um, when I feel temptation start coming on, I start praying instantly. I tell my wife instantly. I, I, I avoid situations that would lead to me to sin. I get, I instantly, that's my game plan because I decide right now is the right time to do the right thing before it happens. That's the same reason that I have a game plan. If a burglar comes into my house... I'm not going to tell you all the details of my game plan, but essentially it involves getting to my kids and there might or might not be, we're in the South, bullets involved. But what I'm getting at is we have a game plan of how to keep our family safe if, if worst case scenario happens because it's a, like you don't want to wait till you're in the middle of a fire to figure out how to get out of a house, right? 
You don't want to wait till you're in the middle of a, a, a gunfight to figure out how, how to do uh, use a gun. Uh, hopefully, we're all Republicans and we love guns. I don't know. But I, I like shooting at targets. But what I'm getting at is right time starts right now. It starts determining your heart. Determining your heart. And the first thing that we need to determine is 2 Corinthians 6.2. The first decision we must make about the right time is this. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you've walked away from a relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the right time to get right with God. It's not tomorrow. It's not a week from now. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. God paid the price for your sin 2,000 years ago on a cross, and then he set you free from the power of sin three days later through his resurrection when he conquered death for you. So if you say, Jesus, forgive my sins. I believe that you're the son of God and, and come be Lord of my life, suddenly you're not only forgiven of your sin, but you're set free from the power of sin, and your eternity just changed from hell to heaven. And I'm not trying to scare anyone into salvation. I'm not trying to twist an arm or manipulate. I'm telling you the facts. And I can tell you this. The right time is right now to get right with God. It's not tomorrow, it's not two weeks from now, it's not a year from now, because guess what? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed your next breath. You're not. I talked to my mom Saturday morning, the next, the next Sunday in August, last year, she passed away. Like, I would have never thought that. We had a great conversation. My best friend in high school, we were playing against each other in a three-on-three -three tournament. And we went both for a, he, he shot a three and he bricked it. It was a horrible shot. I'm just, he would own it too. And it went off way off this way. And I went for the long rebound. And he went for the long rebound because he didn't want me to get it. Because I would have tried to score on him. And we weren't allowed to be... <laughs> We weren't allowed to be on the same team in this three-on-three -three tournament because we're two of the better players on the team, so they wanted it to be more even. <laughs> and so we were button heads and pushing against one another, and he got to about the free throw line, and he stopped and looked at me. And he said, help. And he fell over backwards, and his heart exploded. And he died in my arms on a basketball court. And what I'm getting at is... We're not guaranteed anything. That morning, we were warming up, stretching, trash-talking in a Christian way. It was. We, we were just telling each other how awful each other was and how we're going to school and dunk on each other, all this stuff. You know, like, you're not going to get any points and all that jazz. And suddenly, a couple hours later, my friend breathes his last in my arms. And what I'm getting at is we're not guaranteed anything. The right time is right now. The right time is right now. And it's so simple. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You paid the price. I believe you're the son of God. Come be Lord of my life. Boom. What happens? The Holy Spirit goes, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. I'm going to make you like Jesus over the course of time. And then... We, we grow together as a church. We bear one another. It's a beautiful process. God literally, God calls it being born again. Being born of the Spirit. He puts His Spirit in you. But the right time is right now to get right with God. It's not tomorrow. It, it, it's not. It's right now. And the second thing we need to understand about the right time we got to go back. We got to go back to Ecclesiastes and talk about planting some seed. Because I, I I think that there are 
There are two attacks of the enemy that run rampant and we don't talk about in the church. And, um, and I'm going to shed some light on them because you might not even know that you're under this attack. The first attack is that God wants you to be perfect. The enemy comes in and puts that in pretty much the moment you get saved. And he does it a lot of times through well-intentioned Christians. Oh, um, like, oh, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, he does. He, the enemy uses people that are Christians all the time. And what it looks like is you get saved and, and suddenly someone well-intentioned that wants to help you in your faith walks up and says, oh, man, I'm so excited that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, but now, now that you're a Christian, dude, you should go home and read the book of John. Oh, really? Okay. You know, uh, oh, man, and you should probably start praying every day. Oh, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and, and you should start, and you start putting stuff on top of them, and suddenly... In, in, in these well-intentioned moments and what we think we're discipling, we're actually adding law to a new Christian and, and suddenly they don't know any better and, 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 and they're thinking, oh man, I'm a Christian so I, I get to read my Bible every day for, for five to ten minutes. I get to pray every day for ten to fifteen minutes. I get, to, I get to go to church every time the doors are open because that's what I'm supposed to do for five to ten. And suddenly they have all this weight on them and they're trying to walk in victory from G, with Jesus and they're like, oh Oh man, praise God, I'm, I'm so set free from my old life. And, but yet they have all this and they think that they have to be perfect. They have to do all this stuff and it's religion and it's law, really. All you have to have to be saved is Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And guess what? The Holy Spirit comes along. He might use Christians to come along and talk with people and encourage people like, oh yeah, you know, I, I talk to people all the time, and they say stuff. I'm like, you know, when, when I go through that, I usually just kind of open my Bible, and I read a little bit, and it helps me. And I, and I model what the Lord has revealed to me through his Holy Spirit. And there are teaching moments, don't get me wrong, but um, we so often, the enemy comes in, though, and, and, and he puts perfection on us. He puts perfection on us. Be perfect. That's not what the Bible says. Be holy, for I am holy. That's what it says. Well, how, 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 how does that? We, we mistranslate holiness for perfection. That, that's not what it means. We are holy through Jesus. We are righteous through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do to make yourself righteous. There's nothing you can do to make yourself holy. It's all on Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And as you walk in that freedom, like, oh, wow, I am set free. I have a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit might come along and say, hey, I want you to read something out of the Bible. And we let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And we let him sanctify. And there might be times, like, I have people that I allow to speak into my life and pastor friends and I had a pastor friend this week. He said, hey, I really want you to, to look at this on Right Now Media. It's a really good thing, and I think it will help you. And he wasn't telling me to do something religiously to, to make me more holy like Jesus, but he was saying, that, and, and I allow that, but that's discipleship versus perfection. And the enemy comes in, and he sows perfection right out the gate. Do this, do this, do this. And... We can't do it. We can't live in perfection. And the other thing that the enemy does, the second attack that he puts on Christians is concerning evangelism. We use, almost just like Solomon says, we wait for the perfect time to sow seed of the gospel. Oh, it's just not right. The Lord might have laid your neighbor on your heart to tell about Jesus or that coworker, or a family member and you're waiting for that perfect time. You're waiting for the weather to be perfect to sow that seed because Jesus shares this, this story. He shares a story in Matthew chapter 13 and I'm going to get to it, but the enemy wants us to say, okay, the timing's not right. It's not right. Just, just wait. Just wait for that perfect timing. If you wait for perfect timing to sow the 
the seed of the gospel, it will never happen. You'll ne- the timing will never be right. There can be wrong timing. Don't get me wrong. You know, like if you go walk up to your walk up to your neighbor and they're rushing their kid to the ER, you're like, wait, I want to talk to you real quick about Jesus. That's probably not the right time. But what I'm getting at is there is no perfect time. This is why it's so important that we let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. The enemy wants us to say, wait for the perfect time. Jesus, he makes this statement in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all garden plants, seeds. But yet it grows to be the biggest of all garden plants to the point where birds will come make nest and rest in its branches. And what he's getting at is the, the gospel has this multiplying effect when we plant it. But right before this, he shares a parable called the parable of the sower. And I'm going to read it real quick. It's in verse 3 through 9. And I don't believe um, you have it. But it says, listen, Matthew 13, 3 through 9. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and, his, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, or some translations say rocky soil. And the seeds sprouted up quickly um, because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots and they died. Other seeds fell among weeds or thorns, and they grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who has ears should hear. And I've heard a lot of messages about this. I don't think you can go to church more than a year and probably not hear a message about the parable of the sower. And a lot of times we talk about the seed. We talk about um, the soil a lot. And But I want to, for, for today, I want to look at the sower. Because I'll tell you, Jesus goes on in Matthew 13 to explain what it all means, and I would encourage you to go read it. But Reader's Digest version, real quick, is the seed is the gospel of Jesus. It's, that's the gospel. The soil represents the different types of people that encounter the gospel. There, there are people that will grab hold of it, but they're, but they're shallow. They're the rocky people that it seems like the gospel's really working good, but as soon as tragedy strikes, they fall away. God, why would you let that happen? Because they were shallow. And I find that the closer you are to Jesus, when tragedy hits, it pushes you closer to Jesus. But if you're not very intimate with Jesus, when tragedy hits, it can, has potential to knock you away from Jesus. But then, then there's the, the path where the seed never even gets any roots. The birds come and eat it right, up the, right out the gate. Then there's the, the, the weeds where the seed grows, but, but it's growing with with the weeds, and the re- weeds represent sin in the world, and, and, and the reality is you can't have both in your life. The Holy Spirit's job is to sanctify you, and, and if you can, as we could grow in Christ, if we continue to let sin grow with the gospel, it will choke it, because it hates Jesus, and it hates you. You're, you have a real enemy that hates you, and, and God's saying, no, no, when you come to me, let me be Lord. And that's the thing, everyone wants a Savior. Everyone wants, oh, Jesus is Savior of the world. Yes, he is. But very few people want him to be Lord. Lord means he gets to call the shots. And that's hard. But that's what he is. If he's in your life, you've got to let him be Lord of your life, not just Savior. Because he is a Savior regardless. But the, 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 the weed soil is are the soils that one foot's in the world and one foot's in the church and and they it, it gets choked out. But then there's a good soil that it grows and it flourishes because they go all in with Jesus. But what I want 
to look at for a moment is the sower. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, the farmer who waits for perfect weather never plants. Jesus gave us a parable that the conditions weren't even perfect. Like, I don't know how big the field is, but now we have, like, Scott's, those, those things for your yard that you just walk and it sprays seed everywhere. Um, or, like, farmers who do industrial, like, they have things that actually seed the soil and they just drive. And some tractors now, they're, they're GPS-guided. So, like, really, all the farmer has to do is just hit buttons and it just does it itself and it plants it. It's really cool, but back then... When they sowed seed, they would reach in a bag and they would toss it. And even in that scenario, the conditions weren't perfect. There was hard soil, there was rocky soil, and there was good soil, and there was thorns and thistles and weeds. And, the, and notice what the farmer did. What did he do? He sowed it indiscriminately, right? He just threw it. He threw it on the weeds. He threw it on the path. He just threw it. He didn't pick and choose who got and what got seed. He threw it. And he didn't wait. Like, clearly the conditions weren't perfect. There are birds evidently somewhere close by that was like, oh, come on. Come on, just toss it on the path. Here we go. You know, like... There, like the conditions weren't perfect. Clearly, there were weeds growing over here, and he's like, "Aaron, get some, get some in the weeds, get some on the rocks." Like, the conditions weren't perfect, but he didn't want to miss the good soil for the sake of not planting. If he waited until all the soil was perfect, he would never plant because that would never happen. It wouldn't happen, and and the enemy has convinced us. When it comes to sharing our faith, wait for the perfect moment. There's never going to be a perfect moment. There's never going to be a perfect time to share. It's right now. Yes, we need to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to listen when he says to do something. But if you're walking through Walmart and you feel led to pray with someone... Well, well, God, I, I, got, I got milk in my car. I got ice cream. I, it's, not, it's not ideal. It's not perfect. I guess that wasn't the Lord because he would never ask me to do something with milk ice cream. But no, right now. It's the right time right now. And if you wait for the perfect time to share your faith, you will never share your faith. But God has gifted you. God has called you. He's put a purpose in you. I want you to grab this. Some of us feel so unworthy. How can God use me? Uh, let me tell you, God can do miracles through you if we understand that right now is the right time. God, God will blow your mind with what he's about to do in your life if you quit waiting for perfect and say, okay, I'm going to just start doing right. Right now is the right time to do the right thing. Period. I'm going to read one more scripture to you. It's Psalm 84:11. It says, "For the Lord is our sun and our shield; He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right." Right now is the, starts right. The right time starts right now to do the right thing. And another thing we just got to grab a hold of is sometimes the right time involves waiting. But it's not waiting for the perfect time, it's waiting on God. And those are two very different things. Because if you wait for the perfect time, you will wither and die. Waiting for God to do something, but it's not perfect. But if you wait on the Lord at the right time, 
He'll show up. And the Bible says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. God gives you strength as you wait on him. Let me tell you, David was anointed to be king in the Old Testament. The, one of the greatest men in the Old Testament, David, you probably heard of David and Goliath. He killed a giant when he was a teenager. He became king. He ruled Israel for 40 years. But get this. He was anointed to be king when he was a teenager. At the right time. God doesn't. God only operates in the right time. 22 years later, he became king of Judah at the right time. God's right now and right time involved waiting. But David waited on the Lord, not on perfect conditions. There's a vast difference. Abraham, he was told, he was told that you will have a son and you'll be the father of many nations at 75. That does not sound, I don't want to have any more kids. I'm at 33, so um, at 75. At the right time, he was told that. God didn't make a mistake in telling Abraham, you're going to have a son through Sarah. 25 years later, he had Isaac through his wife Sarah at the right time. He got told at the right time. It happened at the right time. There was a waiting period. Abraham was told, I'm going to bless all nations through you at the right time. 2,000 years later, Christ came at the right time. God might have said, I want you to do this. And you said, okay, God, I'll do it. And then he got silent. And you're like, okay, God, when, when do you want me to do this? When, when do you want me to do this? Don't, don't force it to happen. Don't try to make a miracle happen. Don't try to don't do that. Just wait. Because God told you at the right time to prepare your heart for the right time. And at the right time, God will do it. God might have called you to do something. God might have laid a neighbor on your heart, a coworker. He might, I don't know what it looks like. There's a million different scenarios. But God, if he's told you it was the right time for you to hear, but it also might be the right, white, white time, the right time for you to wait. So wait. Because the right time with God involves waiting sometimes. And then God will show up at the right time and do it. Now is the right time to make things right. Now is the right time. Ben, if you will. If you take and you've been holding yourself to a standard of perfection and waiting for that perfect time, I believe that God wants to set you free. You can't be perfect, and you never will be. God just wants you to do what is right and listen to him. If you're waiting for the right time to share your faith or the perfect time to share your faith, it's never going to happen. Today, Today is that day. If you're waiting for the perfect time to get right with the Lord, today is that day. Don't put it off. Man, it might be a family member that just so desperately needs to hear the gospel. You might not even be the one to lead them to the gospel. You might just need to share Jesus with them and tell them that God loves them. And then you might have to wait. But the reality is, if you're waiting for that perfect time, I just want to wait till their heart's ready to hear it. Well, I could tell you this, the perfect time is right now. <laughs> it's right now. Just go and do it. If the Lord's put it on your heart, just do it. If you wait, you might not get a chance. A farmer who waits for perfect weather never plants. And if he's always watching the clouds, he never harvests. I don't want our church to be waiting around for the perfect scenario to be the church. 
No, right now. Right now is the right time. I don't want us to be waiting around and, and, and trying to get God, oh God, just, just line up the stars so I can do this. It's not going to happen. What does Solomon say in verse 6? He said, just plant your seed. You know the right time to plant is just in the morning. He said, just plant your seed in the morning. Go about your business and see what re- see, see what harvest comes in. Maybe both. Like, get, stay busy all day. He didn't say, well, if, if the weather's nice and it's not rainy, it's not windy, it's not whatever, go plant your seed in the morning. He said, no, just plant your seed in the morning. Plant your seed in the morning. Just do it. Just get it out of the way. Because right now is the right time. Right now is the right time. And I, and I pray that maybe this will stir something in our hearts that, that you've been, maybe you picked up your phone to call someone a couple times and, and you're like, oh, I can't do it. Because it's not, I, right now is the right time. Let me tell you, you'll always have to overcome fear when you step out in faith. Don't, don't, don't mistake that we think that faith has, oh, it's, it's a step of faith. There will be no fear involved. No, you have to punch through the banner of fear to walk in faith. And, and just do it. Right now is the right time. If you're, if you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, right now is the right time to say, God, I forgive them because you've forgiven me. Lord, bring root out this bitterness out of me. Right now is the right time to let go of pastors. Right now is the right time. It's not tomorrow. It's right now. Right now. Right now is the right time to share your faith. Romans 10 says something so beautiful. And, and we, we talk about this backwards and upside down kingdom. The world waits for conditions to be perfect. The world does that. But there are no perfect conditions. We do things that are right We wait on the right time. We wait for God, and it seems backwards. But then God makes a statement. He says something in Romans 2 when it comes to sharing our faith. He says in in, in Romans 10, 14 through 15, he says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I, 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 as your pastor, I'm sending you into Columbia. I'm sending you. Go be the church before me, Christ. Our great shepherd sent us. Right now is the right time. But, but then it says this in verse 15. This is why scripture says, he's quoting Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Like, you think about this. In Paul's time, people predominantly wore sandals. And if you're wearing sandals today, I'm not judging you. But they had, like, there might have been some, like, stone paved roads back then that led to Rome. Because there's a statement, all roads lead to Rome. And Rome built roads and aqueducts. And they did have kind of paved roads. There was there were stone roads and Rome did a lot of infrastructure like that but for the most part when people walked they were walking in dirt they walked on leather soled shoes in in uh in sandals and when Je- that, that's why when Jesus got up and washed his disciples feet they were almost offended that their teacher and lord was washing their feet because washing feet was saved for the lowest servant of a household. Like shoveling dung out of stalls was a higher honor than washing someone's nasty feet. I would say it still is. Um, But feet are, especially back in Roman times when Paul was writing this to the Romans in chapter 10, the Roman church, their feet weren't like what we see in movies. Like, they were gross. And yet God, how he sees things is backwards and upside down. When we carry the gospel, he sees something that the world would say, that's utterly disgusting and gross. God says, that's beautiful. Because we live in a backwards and upside down kingdom. 
The world waits for perfect. The world wants us to, like, they strive for perfection. And it never will happen. It won't. But right now is the right time. And, and maybe it's to get right with the Lord for you this morning. Maybe it's a challenge to go out and do something the Lord's laid on your heart and you haven't done it because you just haven't worked up the faith and the courage. I just, I speak faith and courage over you because right now is the right time to share your faith. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. I don't care what your feet actually look like. Like my foot on my right side, I'm just going to be, trans I was going to show a picture, but I didn't want anyone throwing up. But my middle toe, it looks like it's broken. It's, it's, it's like the tip of it's kind of curved. And I don't know what happened. I don't remember breaking my foot as a child or anything. I think it's just because my parents were abusive and they didn't buy me shoes that fit. No. No, was, they always had shoes. I just, you know, you get those shoes. Like, I really like, like, Peyton right now. He really likes a pair of boots. I'm like, dude, those are too small for you. You can't wear them. And the, the saying is, do you want, you want your foot to, you want your toe to look like that on dad? No. And so he'll, he'll stop wearing shoes that are too small. But the cool thing is, I don't like it. I'm like, oh, I hate that. I'll still wear flip-flops and all that stuff. And every time, next time I wear flip-flops, you guys are going to be like, I'm going to look past his toe. It's, it's all right. I don't care. But God sees that as beautiful because I carry the gospel. Because we live in a backwards and upside down kingdom. And today is the right time. And uh, let's all stand. I think some of us need to get right with God. We need to say, God, forgive me for holding myself to a perfect standard. When you don't hold me to a perfect standard, um, some of us need to say, God, forgive me for waiting for the perfect time. Some of us need to say, God, I just need a relationship with you. Forgive me. And if that's you, please respond. And maybe you're just saying, okay, well, I, I don't really feel a need to respond. Well, let's respond in worship. I'm going to be up here. I'd love to pray with you. If you need a relationship with Jesus or recommit your life, I'll be here. Because today is the day. Right now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait to recommit, to commit. If you just need to get right with God, today is the day. But let the Holy Spirit work in you and walk out of here knowing that God hasn't missed his mark. God hasn't showed up late. I want you to get this. The right time sometimes looks late. Jesus didn't even show up to the funeral of his friend. He showed up after they buried him. But it was the right time because he rose that friend from the dead. Lazarus' sisters were saying, Jesus, if you would have... It would have been perfect if you would have showed up before he died. And Jesus said, but it wasn't right. Father, I pray right now for your church. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will be with us. As we respond, I pray right now against every lie of the enemy. Against all fear, I just release your peace, courage, and faith to step out in obedience to what you are asking people to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.